0: Then it feels like, God, I have to slow down and talk to people. <laughs> but really, yeah, you do. <laughs> and when you do, everything goes better and you value your employees and you get better business results. Like it's connected. We, we forget how much it relates to our sense of accomplishment with each other when we have strong relationships.
1: Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 558. Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here with us today. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Carrie Walls. Carrie is the owner of Coaching Collaborative, and we, Carrie was sharing some incredible articles and insights with me last night and over the last couple of weeks, and I can't wait for you, Carrie, to share them with the listeners, but I would love if you
0: would jump in. By the way, welcome. Well, w- thank you. Oh, it's so yeah, great to be here.
1: I, I'm on a roll. Can you tell? Like third cup of coffee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only way to go.
1: Yes, absolutely. I would love if you would jump in and share with the listeners who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today.
0: Okay. Uh, who I am. i am uh, been an executive coach for almost 20 years. I have a master's in counseling psychology, been a small business owner, also have been a CEO of a consulting firm and have been out on my own as a coach for the last four years. Uh, what I do with people is I have a bias about relationship and communication and the stronger the relationship is with others, the more you can accomplish together. And relationship is often something that's missed in business or stepped over or even as an afterthought thought of like, oh, I should pay attention to that. But if you really do pay attention to that, everything goes better. And relationship and communication is where We often run into trouble, and it's the stuff that keeps us up at night when it's not going well. So, helping people with that helps business results get produced. So, I uh, help small businesses um, get out of mom and pop, replicate themselves through others. So, it's not as dependent on the founder. And I also work with a lot of partnerships to help them get aligned.
1: Carrie, I love this. And the first thing I thought of. Was that, I mean, it's not directly or it's not related to business, but I was even thinking about my first marriage versus my current marriage, which will be Mm -hmm. my last, hopefully. (laughs) But communication and relationships. I mean, my first marriage had no communication. Mm -hmm. And it failed miserably. Yeah. And this one, I mean, sometimes I feel like we overshare, which we don't. I mean, we share everything, but that's why it's successful.
0: Right. Yeah. And lots of times, and I used to be this way years ago, like I, I've always been a high achiever, getting results, getting things done. And then it feels like, God, I have to slow down and talk to people. <laughs> but really, yeah, you do. <laughs> and when you do, everything goes better and you value your employees and you get better business results. Like it's connected. We, we forget how much it relates to our sense of accomplishment with each other when we have strong relationships
1: Absolutely. One thing that I learned going through college myself—I went to college for interior architecture—was that criticism isn't always bad. Mm -hmm. What maybe feedback should be the word that's used more often, because criticism does sound bad. Just the word itself, right? But there's so much feedback that if we were open to receiving it, because our communication has been kept up that so many facets of relationships could be improved just because the communication is there. If right. if I were open to receiving feedback, then I can't imagine where I would be. I mean, my mm-hmm. business would probably be dead just because I wouldn't have accepted the feedback that I have gotten.
0: Right. Well, feedback often come, you know, you can see other people's stuff more than we can see our our own. (laughs) And feedback is so useful because it's usually in our blind spot or something out of our awareness. And if we can listen to it and find the gold in it. And sometimes I work with clients like ignore the style, maybe it was presented, but look for the nugget of truth in it because there's always gold in there. And if you do that, then you can really improve your own performance. You actually can work more easily And if you have others around you who give and receive feedback, everything goes better.
1: Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. In 2015, I had a team member who told me that if I kept on doing what I was doing, that I was going to put the business into the ground. Hmm. It was really hard for me to hear right then. And I left the call in tears because Hmm. I did not want to hear that. She was right. I wish I could go find her and tell her that. (laughs) Right, But I wasn't ready to hear it then. Mm -hmm. There have been many times where I had to hear things four or five times before it finally sank in, just because I was finally in that place. What sparked your interest in this area? How did you get here?
0: Good question. Um, I've always been interested in growing and developing myself and seeing what I'm capable of. So I... I was a small business owner years ago, probably now 30 years ago, and had coaching and so and took leadership development uh courses and so as I did that I eventually got hired by the firm I had been a client of and I rose from individual contributor to head of sales and then CEO um running the company as the founder stepped out I'm I'm just interested in developing myself and interested in people. And we had a whole course we were leading on leadership foundations, and it really was about collaborative leadership, like leading with colleagues versus the old command control structure, where there's somebody at the top barking orders, and then there's all the task doers underneath looking up to the person who's at the top, the taskmaster. Thinking they have all the answers, and usually the person at the top doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> but I got to lead the course and also practice leading the company that way, and that has been invaluable experience because it's it's in some ways it's way easier to lead in a command control style because it's embedded in our culture. We're trained in it. It seems quicker. But if you can learn to be a little more patient, listen to people, not react, um, you, there were career highlights for me where an employee really engaged at a level you never thought was possible because of how I was leading. So that was really fulfilling to me.
1: I'm I can't even imagine how fulfilling that was. Patience has not always been one of my virtues. I just need to put it out there. I've gotten stuck in a pattern, or I I should say I was. I think I'm finally out of that rut, where I wanted immediate results
0: Hmm. to
1: everything. And I would look at other small business owners, and we forget, I believe, often that it's not overnight success stories. Mm -hmm. When they have a big launch, when they're making multiple six figures or seven figures a year,
0: it's taken years to get there.
1: And I forgot about right. that.
0: Yeah. A lot. <laughs> well, impatience, patience I find is both an internal and external game. So often if we're critical of others or outside of ourselves, we're also internally critical. So if you can, you know, we're so conditioned for this, but if you can learn to accept your accomplishment, notice your accomplishment, celebrate your accomplishment yourself, you'll be more um, positive and reaffirming with others. And that's always a better culture to learn and develop, because inside of lack of patience, or it, it kind of has a critical tone that has people be in fear, and then they're in survival fight, flight, or freeze versus being creative or productive. So it totally relates to positive productivity because if you're out of fear, you're, you have access to productivity. When we're in fear or survival or a reaction, we don't have any access to it.
1: Absolutely. How do you celebrate accomplishments, Gary?
0: Oh, good question. I, um, I have this journal, my, I have 20 something kids and one of them always would get this gold journal. So I finally, I got it too. And there's a place that says reflect and celebrate each week. And I think I did the, that journal for a whole year and never filled out that space. But now I really take the time to notice it when it happens and put it and write it down there. I think that helps. I have, some great, really trusted colleagues I talk with on a weekly basis and also share accomplishments and also get to show up in their listening, if that makes sense. Like, you know, it's hard to own our own accomplishments by ourselves. It's it's only with others we start to see them, you know, and that's partly why coaching is effective because somebody from the outside can point out Okay, you're not just like the competition. Stop pricing yourself like every other architect around the block. You are offering X, Y, Z that nobody comes close to. But people often don't notice that for themselves. They just think, oh, I'm like everybody else. But generally, people are not like everybody else.
1: I don't know if I would be scared or love somebody who was just like me. I think I would actually annoy myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I learned through the podcast, and I can't remember how many episodes ago, hundreds, that I was not accepting compliments well. Hmm. And it had never occurred to me during or until that episode, I wish I knew which one it was, that when you deny somebody's compliment by brushing it off, it can actually be insulting to that person.
0: Right. Well, I hold it like somebody's giving you a gift yes. and you kind of push it back in their face. Yes. <laughs> and it's useful to just breathe and just notice how conditioned we are to make an excuse or, oh, this old thing or whatever we say, rather than just say, thank you and let it in. Because we all need more acknowledgement. We do. And, and we deflect it. So, we have all these people on the planet wanting to contribute to others, but nobody wanting to be (laughs) contributed to. So, it's good to create flow, like have inflow, accept it, and contribute, you know?
1: Absolutely. Well, I was sharing with you, Carrie, and I'm going to tell the listeners I was sharing with you before the episode that I got up, got showered, dressed, makeup, all that this morning. And (laughs) I shared with you about who my son, Asked me just to step it up a little bit. Um, He's 13 (laughs) listeners. Okay. And he's unlike me and his dad and actually his older brother, he's he's a little Mr. Popular, but he's popular Uh with heart. I mean, he will not accept kids being mistreated. He's Mm -hmm. that's great. Popular is probably not the right word because have you noticed that popular? Well, I noticed when I was in school that popular often was synonymous with mean which I I don't like that, but he's popular meaning will liked. And one of the things that I had, um, he's, he plays a lot of sports and I drive a 1996 GMC conversion van. So my van is a good seven years older than my oldest child. And, uh-huh. and he said to me, he says, I can't wait until you get a new van. I was like, why? And he's like, because this thing's so old. And, so I had to remind him that, and this goes the same for business. It may not be the newest, hottest, latest gadget. It may not be the newest fad that we're putting out there, but when it's, when it works, sometimes that's all that's necessary. We don't always need to be looking at the latest and greatest, this and that, but we can be working on perfecting what we already have. Right. So I reminded him, I was like, look this van cost us $1,300 and we've put $800 into it. Now I challenge you to ask any of your friends how much their parents spent on their 2019 vans and how much they've already put into it. He's like, okay, point
0: taken. (laughs) And then there's all that other, that money you can spend, on other things that you value. Oh, absolutely! I was. Like, and that matter to you?
1: Yeah, I was like, you know, you have soccer dues and track dues. Where do you think that money's coming from? I was like, because it's not going into a brand new vehicle. I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Right?
1: Yeah, I can't remember how I got off onto that tangent, but I think I was just thinking. Sometimes, as entrepreneurs, we can almost uh, regress into teenager. Uh, I don't know if vanity is the right word.
0: Well, I would call, I mean, that's ego-based. Yes. It's teenagers, you know, looking good. Yes. They want to look good and they don't want to look bad. And I think you can do all these activities as a business owner that look good, but I don't know if people always are saying, okay, is it producing results? Or am I getting the ROI? You know, how much? people can spend getting everything ready and getting the printed information and the website up versus just having a conversation with someone and starting a dialogue way cheaper and often more effective. Not like that stuff isn't important, but kind of measuring it. What's the result and what's the return based on what I'm doing and investing in it.
1: That is such an amazing share. I actually just last week had a conversation with a client who was going to put me a lot of attention and time and money into making a new banner. And I don't mean a banner for a website, but I mean a banner that goes on a stand and is taken to speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. But the client only does one speaking engagement a month, if that. And a lot are at schools, which is not their ideal client. I'm trying to remain Mm -hmm. gender gender non-specific here. Yeah, and the client was concerned that their marketing funnel is not getting the leads that it's supposed to. So I remind, it, there's that trap of being of being busy, being busy,
0: right? It, well, and the just now with social media and all the stuff you can do, and I'm older, you know, have a lot of experience, so it's it, I have to keep taking it a chunk at a time. But I also do it kind of as an inquiry and an experiment, like both what do I enjoy doing, what's fulfilling for me to do, and also what creates results or not. So like podcast interview is something I enjoy doing because I like a one-on-one conversation with people. So it's kind of a natural for me to talk about what I do in a dialogue so that fits and is worth the time and investment. It's not that much of an investment to, you know, promote myself and pursue some of those that seem appropriate. But to look at that from, okay, is it producing anything? Because you can do so much stuff, but what is it doing? So having a big mailing list or having a number of views, that, like does it produce clients? That's what I'm always looking for.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely if if the systems are built on the back end sure mm-hmm. and that was actually part of this client's dilemma
0: there was right. nobody
1: entering their funnel and i said well how much are you how are you leading people there because i knew there was no they don't have a podcast and they're not putting out blogs and the lead magnet is not going out right now because there's only one podcast a month and maybe one speaking engagement a month. Mm-hmm. It's right. Like, well, okay, so how about if you're focusing your money towards a team member who will help you fill the funnel by getting the bigger exposure
0: rather
1: right. than on this banner that you may use next month if it's promoted.
0: Right. <laughs> well, I would think, depending on what the business is, but if it's a service-oriented business, you're you're trying to get a certain number of conversations, opening conversations. So how do you how do you have those conversations and and produce those and have some sort of system that creates those? So that's an important piece. And the other piece I think is missing, because I get five or six emails a day on LinkedIn about I can move you to six, seven, eight figure, <laughs> kind of get this many leads for you a day, et cetera. But you can have conversations and do you produce effective results in the conversations you have? And to me, that's about, do you listen? Are you listening for your the concerns of your client or customer rather than pitching or saying you have the solution without having first listened to them. Like I listen to people usually ask a lot of questions, but 45 minutes or more before I even talk about what I do. And often if you do that well, then people just ask you. They say, okay, so how do we work together? Like you don't even have to try if you listen well. But we're not taught how to do that very well.
1: No, we're not. Yeah, I had a campaign and in full disclosure, it was an automated messaging tool working on my LinkedIn Mm -hmm. for a while. And Mm -hmm. I would invite people to have a 30 minute virtual coffee with me. I was like, there's, there's no selling. Let's just get to know each other. Right. And there's so many awesome relationships that came out of those virtual coffees. However, so many people, just like you said, I get those same four or five emails a day through LinkedIn. I don't know you, but let me sell you my stuff right away. I'm like, delete, 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 delete. Delete, oh. delete. Like, okay. And then I, what I love, and I'm being facetious here even more is when they take my email from LinkedIn and add it to their mailing list. Oh yeah.
0: Right. I didn't sign up for this. Right. Don't do that. Listeners just, do, well, just don't do it, that. It's just, this is true in any business. You like, most of us don't like to be sold to. So if you lead that way without creating relationship, and I hold relationship like a three-legged stool, which is trust, respect, and shared purpose. You have to build trust, respect, and shared purpose before you pitch anything or say anything. So that's what listening, if you really listen for their concerns, you can kind of start to create trust and respect First of all, it creates relationship because people so infrequently are deeply listened to and then they get clear about it and it helps them, um, it creates value for them and then there'll be a request and they'll start to get curious about you. But pitching, I always talk about it, it's like leading with your sales foot <laughs> does not work. It's like, who do you think you're talking to? You don't know me. It's just a natural human being, visceral response, right? Yes,
1: absolutely. I love how just a couple minutes ago, you said you ask a lot of questions because that's mm-hmm. something that I've learned over the last few years. And I've only, this is my third round of entrepreneurship. The first two should have never taken place, except they taught me a lot, right?
0: Yes. That's your experiential MBA. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But over the last couple of years of this journey, I've learned just how much people love talking about themselves. And I don't mean that in a bad way, Mm -hmm. but asking, asking questions of somebody else truly makes them
0: feel welcome. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. One, it helps you understand their situation. Like I wouldn't, it's presumptuous for me to present Something, if I don't understand their individual situation, I need to understand their situation. And if I go into, you know, a potential new customer conversation, I listen first and I don't assume that I can help them. I usually can, but I have to listen long enough to see where I can help them. And then then I can say, "Oh, I can start to see it." And no, otherwise they might not be a good fit, or I'd recommend someplace else. They might go to get what they want, like that.
1: Yes, I had to tell you, I've had a couple bad coaches over the course of this business, and <laughs> oh. it was because, well, everything for a reason, right? I've, I don't consider myself a coach because, well, number one, I talk too much, <laughs> I, and I say that with love to myself. I love to talk. I love to have conversations just like here on the podcast. And number two, I forgot number two that happens when you talk too much. (laughs) But
0: um, Well, the bad coaches thing, this is something that is interesting me recently because I, I have 20 years of experience as a coach and it was on the job crane training from really great coaches, and I've had some horrendous coaches. But a bad coach can teach you how not to be a coach, just like I say bet, my worst boss taught me how not to be a boss. But there's some things, because I have both a master's counseling psychology and a coaching background, I'm just concerned sometimes when I hear and read things that coaches say. And the field has so exploded in the last decade especially it's it's concerning and all schools can turn out ineffective coaches but i know that i learned to be a coach sitting around a table with colleagues who are experts talking about you know clients and if you're not doing that and a lot of coaches i think are isolated in their homes and just have the client in front of them or on the phone, they're not getting feedback or looking at it very deeply because all the things that can happen in counseling psychology can happen in coaching, like getting your own stuff in the way. And if you've had bad coaches, you know, you can invest a lot and end up frustrated, resentful, you know, and just feel actually in worse place than you were when you reached out for help and to me you should do no harm as a coach (laughs) that's doing harm and that's not okay and it needs to i don't think coaches are talking about that and i don't think people who've had bad experiences are talking about it enough to clean up the field and kind of up the bar on coaching performance and the value they deliver
1: Thank you so much for bringing all that up. Do you think that, and I know that if you go through, what is it, ICF, International Mm -hmm. Coaching, is it Federation?
0: Federation, yeah, Federation.
1: Okay, let me back up a second. When I was an interior architect, in order to call myself an interior designer in New York, which is where I started my career, I would have had to go take the NCIDQ exam. Mm-hmm. which was the national exam for interior design qualification or something like that. Listeners, it's been 10 years since I left that field. Right. So, <laughs> but that was the only way I could have called myself an interior designer in the state of New York. Do you mm-hmm. believe that coaches should have to go through some type of mandatory accreditation or certification program as
0: well? Well, I don't think that by itself is enough cuz there I is ICF mm-hmm. and people have I'm going to offend some coaches here but people have um ICF certification but it, if you don't have ongoing supervision or some sort of way you're looking at your own stuff you it, it's you just could be a coach still yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: I and one of my coaches, he, he, I could,
1: I paid ten dollars for their book mm-hmm. and five dollars for their coaching. I would have I should have done it the other way around.
0: <laughs> really? Ten dollars for their
1: <laughs> ten dollars for their coaching and five thousand for the book. Because I learned oh, okay. that much more out of the book than I ever did oh, gotcha. from the, yeah. the three or four months of coaching. Yeah
0: which is sad. People are charging big bucks for coaching and you better produce a return on it. You better demonstrate, you know, everything isn't measurable, like increasing people's fulfillment. It's hard to put a dollar value on that. But because I work on relationship and communication, like I was working with these two partners who were misaligned. And as one of the partners took what she was learning in the partnership and used it with A client who went ballistic on them. And she called me for coaching in between. I helped her frame up the conversation. She went back into the fray and she turned around the conversation. And this was a $2 million client. So when I hear stuff like that, I go, okay, coaching paid for and some by a lot. (laughs) So that's what Those are the kind of results you should get. You're investing, especially in business, for a return on investment. It's not feel good. It's not cheerleader. You don't need someone just kind of to beat you over the head and say, why haven't you done what you've done? You you know, there's my job is to improve performance and really help people remove any obstacles they're running into getting where they want to get to. So it's... Everyone wants to be successful. Everyone's trying. They get out of bed in the morning to be as successful as possible. They just run into stuff (laughs) that kind of knocks them off their game. And that's what mostly people need to learn is not get knocked off their game or just not get knocked off for so long. Get back on the horse more quickly rather than just be upset or reactive.
1: Don't ask me why I'm sharing this, except you just made me think of it. I, okay, I woke up in the middle of the night the other day, because, and and this is total transparency, I'm sorry, listeners, because I had to go pee. (laughs) I'm half asleep, and I walk straight into the bathroom door. Ouch. And I, it was the funniest thing, though, because it it got me thinking, okay, so I run into the door, I open it, and do my stuff, and I go back to bed, but then I was laying in bed thinking about how many times I've walked into doors in my business, because Mm -hmm. I just haven't been aware enough of what's going on. Right. But if we're not careful, we'll just keep on walking into the same door over and over again.
0: Right. Because people, it, when when you're trying to produce a result, you're doing everything you know how to do to produce a result. And usually the thing that you're not doing is out of your awareness or in your blind spot. That door was in your blind spot, literally, <laughs> when you were getting up in the middle of the night. So coaching often sheds light on the area that's out of your awareness that will help you be more effective because the source of result is action like actions is the source of results we can pretty much all agree on that but our action comes from a different place like we may not see where we're coming from i know that's kind of jargony but our another way to say it would be a background mood. Like if you enter the house and your spouse is upset, you don't need a conversation to pick up that background mood. You know, in one second, people pick up your mood more than they pick up your words, right? Heck yeah. Have you been in my house lately? (laughs) That's That's why love and logic parenting, if you ever, is always says don't get mad, don't blow your cool. Cause then all they'll hear is the emotion and they won't hear your words. But so like say that partners I was working with, I really helped this one partner be less reactive. She had something to say there. There was a reason she was having a reaction, but just reacting sends everyone else into survival, like, oh, no, so-and-so is upset. Now what are we going to do? Take cover. So it puts everyone in fight or flight. It doesn't really create the impact she was trying to have. So by managing her reaction, calming down, seeing a way to express it in a responsible way that still shares her concern is starting to have way stronger an impact. With
1: Everybody being so online right now, I know mm-hmm. I could have said that more eloquently, and now I'm adding more words than I should And, you know, it's become, I don't want to say standard, but for lack of a better word, standard that people expect fast responses. But there's mm-hmm. so many times, just like you were talking about, where a fast response, an immediate response, isn't necessarily the best route. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking what about the, what, what was that columnist, uh, Dear um, dear Abby? Abby? Yeah. yeah. You know, is there any type of etiquette that you know of right now as to how fast we really should be getting back to people? I mean, in, and in a case of a heated, I would like 24 hours so I can think about it and not say something that's going to make the situation escalate more. Right. But often it's. I've gotten reprimanded by people. I I thought I'd hear back from you today. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, but I'm not sitting here by my computer waiting for your email all the time. And I make it a practice not to check my email on my phone. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Right. If, if we're reactive and we know we're reactive, and I think this is especially true with women, we, we will kind of not say something and that's okay. But you could also say something like, you know, I I have some things to say, but I'm not quite sure how to say it yet. And I'll get back to you by and give some sort of timeline. So it's not just no response. And um, or you can even say there's something that doesn't feel right to me in this conversation. I'm not sure what it is, but. I'll let you know and then have some sort of timeline by when you'll get back to them. If someone is coming at you, basically that email, they were upset that you hadn't responded. Right. As quickly as their expectation. Yes. So kind of people, human beings are kind of upsets waiting to happen. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, if someone comes at you upset and you respond upset at their upset, you know, you're off to the races and it won't go well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So not You might see how to set up expectations better. Maybe at the beginning of the client work, like this is what you can expect. Don't expect this. I promise within 24 hour response or like, Manage people's expectations by setting them up in the beginning, because your well-being is important. You taking care of yourself, you have a life beyond work, and it's okay to have boundaries and put parameters around your work life.
1: Thank you. That's been quite the journey for me to to go on since starting this round of entrepreneurship. Right. I mean, being in I I was not shutting clients down when they started expecting work on weekends. But there mm-hmm. is no, I mean, when, and I should do this every time. Listeners, I please take heed. Every client <laughs> who comes in should have a proposal and a contract, in my opinion. But there are some who haven't. They're like, oh, just send an invoice. Well, when there's no contract, they don't see my official hours are,
0: you mm-hmm. know, right?
1: 10 to five, Monday through Friday. And I will get back to you Monday through Friday. But there was a lot of time at the beginning of this journey. I mean, I'll even say four years out of the seven that my business has been around where I was completely ignoring it. And I was going into my email on weekends and responding. And that Change the expectations of the clients. When I start responding on weekends, they start to expect me to respond on weekends, and when they don't, re- when they weren't receiving an email response, they would start texting me. Oh God! Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So I stopped giving so out my cell were... number, and I've finally, if I am in my inbox on the weekend, I will generally either not respond yet. Or Mm -hmm. I will save it as a draft or I will schedule that email to go out, you know, first thing Monday morning.
0: Right. Yeah, because you're training your clients on what to expect.
1: Yes. Yes. I finally even put up something on Skype. I am in Skype for scheduled calls only So Mm -hmm. because I had people who were coming into Skype and just calling me when they would see I was online. It's funny oh, wow. looking back, you know, even 20 years ago when we would pick up the phone and call anybody just because we felt like calling them. But today it's sort of like you need to send a message. Are you able to talk? Well, mm-hmm. I, or I wish people would do that to me more. <laughs> Can you talk now or should I just call? Because I mean, I don't want somebody calling when I'm in the middle of a podcast chat with you, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I do with my coaching is I am available in between sessions because life doesn't happen according to sessions. Like if you get an email that sends you south or you have a meeting that doesn't go well or you have an interaction, I do want people to reach out. But generally, they just text, can you talk now? And I say yes or no, depending on whether it works for me or say a time I can. But it's always up to us to set the parameters. And I've never had anybody abuse it, calling me all the time.
1: That's good. Clearly, you've set awesome expectations. What is your favorite part of being a coach? Uh,
0: Helping people get the results they want when they've been frustrated by something for a long time. Whether it's uh, a client who you know, is trying to grow, really wants to contribute to the financial health of the middle class, but she had a bad hire and then she's kind of like, oh no, you know, she gets kind of hunkered down and preventative, but now she has a training program and she has a good hire and someone who's really learning and developing that, that it's just really fulfilling to me to help people expand their contribution to their field.
1: What are you most excited about in the next 90 days?
0: Good question. Spring? (laughs) Me too. (laughs) This is my first East Coast winter. I switched Portlands from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine. So uh, it's an adventure. Do you still have snow? There's a little ice. It's almost all gone. Okay. But no leaves. Yes. At all. Little buds. So when would you
1: see buds in Portland, Oregon?
0: I bet they're already there. They're already blooming because I heard about the cherry blossoms. Really? So they're about six weeks ahead. Okay. Yeah. At least last year, that's what it was. I still travel back and forth and see clients there. So it's, it's fun to see all the flowers.
1: That was something that was huge. I mean, that was a huge uh, change for me moving from, Chicago down to Southwest Ohio because I wasn't expecting the earlier spring. And we don't have the blossoms yet, but I would expect to see buds any day now. Yeah. But I'm right there with you. I love spring. In Ohio, (laughs) winter is just gray. And and I I have enough gray. (laughs) Don't need that. Carrie, for listeners... Who are looking for a coach right now? Could you give any actionable tips for them to consider when they are interviewing a coach? What should they be looking for in your
0: in your opinion? Sure, um, I would look for a few things. Do they have a track record in what they're coaching you on? So, both themselves personally. And with other clients, they should be able to give you some case studies without revealing anyone's information about results they've produced. I also think you should trust yourself and listen to yourself. Um, Do they listen (laughs) or do they talk more than they listen? Do they are they really curious about you? Um, Do they care? are they trying to sell you? I would run the other direction if you feel sold to. It's not a good sign because, you know. And the other thing, like what's the ROI? Do they promise an ROI? Or what are you working on together? Are you clear? And even do you feel better after the conversation? Even if I'm having just an initial meeting with someone, I want... To have them feel contributed to in some way, something opens up. They see something different. They see new action to take. They 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 should feel more hopeful. Um, Those, and business experience, like I think that's really important.
1: Definitely, that advice by itself could have saved me tens of thousands of dollars. Listeners, I hope you took
0: notes. <laughs> I I just recently uh did a video on LinkedIn. I need to post it other places on how to pick a coach. Um just some red flags to look for and and it's just 3 minutes long. So I could I think I did put it on my website too. So you could see it at coachingcollaborative.com.
1: I will put a link to that in the show notes, listeners, because I can tell you from my personal experience that just the the talking more about themselves than asking questions I and mean, that would have saved me big money just there and mm-hmm. being sold to without even the person trying to find out who I was and what my goals were I've run from those conversations like if they don't want to yeah. know what my goals are I'm like why did I just spend my time talking to you because That's a sign to me that the coach is in scarcity mode and just trying to get the money into their pocket.
0: Right. Well, I don't think coaches are taught on the sales front. And I think a lot of schools are kind of formulaic about how to approach it. And then, you know, there are lots of things offering, you know, leads for coaches, but then... I don't hear a very robust conversation about how to create value as a coach ongoingly. Um, You know, you, you should feel better every conversation. You shouldn't have to commit to six months a year without, I mean, I don't have people do that anyway, but I figure it's my, I tell them like, I recommend a minimum of six months, but, it's my job to be sure you're getting value all along the way and relief. Like you'll see different things to take action on. You'll have a bigger impact. The thing will start moving that you've been frustrated by because mostly we don't ask for help. We're slow in asking for help sometimes and we're pretty frustrated or resigned by the time we do. So it's really important to feel hopeful, to feel like you're making progress if you're gonna engage in coaching. Have you been
1: reading my journal? (laughs) No. (laughs) I have been pokey as a turtle in asking for help. And when I finally realized just how much that help would help, oh, wow. Listeners, I just want you to know that the link to the video and to all of Carrie's social media and website links and and all the great stuff that we talked about today will be on the show notes, which you can find at thecamsutton.com forward slash pp558. I just didn't want to forget to put that in there. Carrie, on that note, I would love to know where listeners could learn more about you, connect and learn about your programs.
0: Sure. Uh, The website is um, probably in the show notes, but it's just coaching com, And my email is Carrie at coaching com. I have some, Maybe you could put in the show notes too a couple um, gifts if they want uh, on. I I write about how to how to get over a sales allergy. <laughs> it's just really how some tips on how to come from sales from a service orientation and not from sales because we all have a kind of a negative view of sales, so we never want to be a salesperson and yes. we don't want to sell to anyone. But then. If you're in business, you have to learn to sell. Mm-hmm. So how do you learn to do that from service so it's natural? And the intention is on the client and not on your agenda. So there's a gift on that. And then I also have another one on how to recover from a blow to your career. Like something happened, maybe you got demoted or fired or lost a customer or you have a failed business. How how do you recover from that and bring yourself back and not have it impact your confidence forever.
1: Yes, please. I will say yes and please and thank you for me and the listeners. Listeners, you'll be able to find those links as well at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp558. Carrie, you've given me so much to think about during this call. So I just really want to thank you for joining me today.
0: Well, thanks. Thank you. Great questions. I enjoyed the conversation.
1: And I as well. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners?
0: Golden nugget. Uh, Embrace your breakdowns. Like uh, your breakdowns, what's ever happening that isn't what what's ever happening that you think shouldn't be happening is the perfect thing for you to learn whatever there is to learn. So don't resist the breakdown, but actually go into the thing that's not working well and learn everything you can learn about it and milk all the learning you can. You'd be surprised how many quicker business results would happen with that.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.